Today on CityCast Denver, it's 420, and for many Denverites, that means it's time to smoke some weed. But where? Big Boy's playing a free show at Civic Center. You could light up there, but you might get busted. The back alley behind your apartment building is always an option, but again, you might get busted. So where should you go to smoke weed today or any day? Pretty much our business is every day dedicated to 420. So we have business as usual, we have some of our favorite vendors pop up, showcasing product, art, entertainment, live music, and things like that. That was Dwayne Benjamin talking about the 420 festivities he has planned at Tetra Lounge, the private weed club he has owned and operated since 2018. And thanks to Denver's new and long-awaited public consumption rules, he's going public starting today. So I invited CityCast Denver's weed correspondent, Anne Maria Wad, to join me for a trip to Tetra to chat with Duane, but also to see what this whole legally smoking weed in public thing is all about. Today is Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Give you guys a tour real quick. Okay. Thank you, sir. I've seen Half Baked about 40,000 times. And the Tetra Lounge at 3.30 p.m. on a Monday was like a scene out of Half Baked. But at the same time, it's not really what I expected. It's more speakeasy than bar with blacked out windows and tons of glassware and snacks, video games. It's like somebody's living room, kind of worn in, but in a really nice, comfy way if you're comfortable sitting in a room full of pot smoke. So you can rent a dab rig? Yeah, okay. you can rent a dab rig. Our daily membership's 20, uh, monthly is 50. Since opening in 2018, Duane has attracted 15,000 people to become members of Tetra Lounge. And you guys have quite a few members. What was appealing to you about making this next step to the more public space? Um, just to really legitimize the business and give um, cannabis hospitality a foundation for, you know, growth and future, you know, endeavors. Anne Maria Watt and I were looking forward to chatting more with Dwayne, but it was a one-man show at Tetra on Monday, and he got pulled away by some customers. So Anne and I headed out to the back patio, where a few groups of young people were lounging on well-loved patio furniture, playing card games and blazing it up. Anne-Marie, can you just explain where we are with public consumption right now? At the end of a long road. (laughs) Maybe with further to go. Um, So the funny thing about public consumption is that it's something that Denver was debating like the year I moved to Denver in 2017. So I feel like... Well, and we legalized weed in 2012. 2012. So it's 2022 and we're just now sort of moving towards more spaces for people to to partake in the thing they can buy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you, over the life of this issue, it's kind of like um, starting with a ton of regulations to the point where nobody could really open a business or make any money. And now it's loosening enough that, you know, this guy is going to be able to get a license, it sounds like. But I mean, I could tell you I feel like a big giant dork five years ago for being like, oh, it's going to be the Amsterdam of the Rockies, like everyone's saying, and like one no. one place that's got a Keurig <laughs> yeah. is opened. And I don't know, it's, uh, I mean, like this demand has always been here, 
but I don't know. We just, like, haven't moved on it. Why Why is that? So back when I was covering it at first, there were a lot of people who really didn't want to see this happen. And I think what is important to remember was, like, this was legalized by ballot initiative. It was like Denver voters said they wanted this ages ago in the 2016 election, in the same year that Trump got elected. We wanted spaces to consume. Yeah. Okay. So social consumption was legalized in Denver, and then what happened after that was, like, a never-ending rulemaking process that had something like 30 people on a rulemaking committee. And you had people, you know, who were on all sides of the issue. You not only had, like, the proponents of the ballot initiative, but you also had, like, the concerned parent groups who were against it to begin with. You had the local school district. And so the product of that was these regulations that were, by and large, unworkable. It was like no no business could open. Actually, one. <laughs> one business could open. And then any other that tried, I feel like I had interviewed like a spa owner at some point at some point who was trying to get one of these licenses and couldn't. People were coming at it from all sides oh, trying yeah. to figure out how can we make public consumption possible. Yeah. And I mean, the really hard thing about the first iteration of the regulations was that you couldn't smoke. You couldn't sell anything, really. You couldn't sell cannabis. Um, and so I think there was like a real open question about how, how business make owners money? were supposed to make money. Yeah. Um, and like, what are you besides come to my estate? warehouse and smoke weed? <laughs> OK. That sounds really reassuring. Doesn't it? <laughs> and so I know I know city council like a few years ago kind of looked at the map of possible real estate where these places could open up and saw like there was no place left um, and started revisiting the regulations. So um, based on regulations, it, it was hard to figure out where they would be. Yes. Okay. The biggest thing was like from thousand feet from schools yes. or whatever the rule is, that kind of stuff. There was the biggest thing was the buffer rule. The social consumption lounges had to be a thousand feet away from a school, a thousand feet away from a drug treatment facility. Sure. It was like there was no spot of real estate in the city that was usable by these standards. Which kind of makes sense about the place that we're in right now, right? At Tetra Weed Launch, we're kind of on the quote unquote edge of a part of the city. We're at 30th and Walnut, which if you've been here for 10 years or more, you may, you know, you can see it. Mm -hmm. It's a warehouse area. Mm -hmm. There's definitely tons of real estate and housing cropping up around us, but I can see where this might be the only spot. That was, yeah, I mean, you had said, earlier before we got on the mic no one lives around here yeah there's not a next door neighbor i mean i think that's like a huge factor um my neighbors have been very receptive you know where i know our district's probably one of the best places to kind of establish a business like this because it's very open-minded um with art and a different business and concepts popping up around here we bring a lot of tourists in the neighborhood we have a lot of restaurants so i think for the last four years we've hopefully been a great neighbor This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com.
So it was just like deregulating the regulations that came in after we decided this was something that the voters wanted. Yeah. And I think, too, is just like seeing. So like as a journalist at CPR, I I had, you know, done a story about a guy who did open up a site and was able to get the second license ever. And he closed like, I don't know, a few weeks later because it was too much. Really, it's so much overhead already for a cannabis business and then on top of that with a consumption site you're talking about like renting out equipment to people you're talking about giving them some other reason to come in the front door besides weed and so this place you know for to its credit had like game night and like a a book a library full of books and like video games and all that stuff um but i think the fact remains still that the cost of doing the business is stupid high (laughs) because you can't sell anything but the atmosphere and space to legally consume yeah. And then, you know, I was on the show the last time to talk about this, so I'll beat the dead horse. But like this really calls the social equity piece of it into question. Um, I wouldn't have the opportunity I have without it um, because I do have marijuana convictions from high school in the past living in um, areas within Denver that were really targeted and um, by the war on drugs. So being able to use my life <laughs> to create a business and a you know concept that fits into booming industry and legitimate now <laughs> is a great opportunity for a lot of people. What is the purpose of these social equity parameters that say we're trying to make this business more accessible to folks of color, folks who have been um, incarcerated or have been in a situation where now they can't do a lot of other things because maybe they were caught up in the drug war Mm -hmm. in some other way. So trying the social equity component is like, how do we get them in the door? But if all these other regulations are in place, where where does that leave us with the social equity component of social consumption? I think much like other places that implement social equity measures like, you know, Massachusetts or Illinois, it's you can get to the front of the line, but then you're still on your own. You know, you still have to find capital. You still have to fund the business. You still have to pay a hundred percent effective federal tax rate. And so like, we are still talking about a business that you can only get into with a certain degree of wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. I don't know that that really solves the social equity problem per se. Which should be something, I mean, there's a market there. Yeah. It's not that that's the problem. Well, I mean, to point to delivery as an example, there's another situation where, you know, there's a real question about how those guys make money. Mm. As I remember it correctly, dispensaries have to contract with a third party for delivery. And so I believe that third party is just making like a fee off the top. Uh, but I went to my local dispensary and tried out their delivery like they, they, were, they were advertising it that day. And so I just asked about it. And so they don't have a great way to communicate with each other. You have a delivery driver who's just like waiting in the lobby for most of the day for orders. And then when they finally do get orders, they're out while other orders accumulate. And they don't have a way to tell this person like they don't have like an Uber app or something like that. Um, and so I think it's it sounded kind of rocky to me so far. And I hope that the social consumption sites aren't as rocky. But uh yeah, I think there's like fewer moving parts there. It's interesting to me because both of these aspects of the marijuana industry would be a boon for the economy because it would just create more businesses. So mm-hmm. it's weird to me that it's still hard. Yeah. I mean, this is this gets me to trouble a little bit, but this my my like pet opinion on it from covering it for so many years is just like this is part of this is, is like a de facto criminalization in a way where you just make it so that people who can afford it yes. 
can own the businesses, sell the stuff, buy the stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you still have something that's effectively becoming a luxury product. And then you're, you're trying to come back, I don't know, 10 years later and then carve some slices out of that and say, we're, we're, you know, we're going to try to undo all this damage. I think it's really hard without, you know, without established businesses sacrificing something, without direct funding of some kind. Like, I think, I think you're just, again, you're moving people to the front of the line, but you're not really giving them anything materially that gives them an advantage in this business. So, you know, talking about other places legalizing um, and maybe getting ahead of us in a certain sense, because we've, like, we've, we've been so hard on how to, these businesses can or can't grow. Do you think we missed the opportunity? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, I think like we had a brief moment with uh, pot tour buses and stuff like that, where I think that was a real attraction here. Um, and then the city cracked down and took a really long time to issue new regulations. And I think that's honestly a pattern over this process is like people waited, I think, the better part of a year for the original regulations and then waited another I don't know how many years and watched all these businesses basically fail to get licenses before the city reconsidered and said, okay, well, you know, we'll open this up. So in the meantime, LA, I think has already opened a place, a full service restaurant where you can smoke weed. That's kind of a big deal. Cause I don't think we'll get that here for a while. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, other States, I think when they first legalized in Nevada, that was like, they were like, all right, we did this. The next thing is social consumption. So if it's, it hasn't already happened, like, I'm not super in touch. If it hasn't already happened, I'm sure it's like on the way. The thing that's bumming me out is I'm thinking about how only larger corporations or, you know, like uh, bigger restaurant groups or somebody's going to be able to afford to do it. So we're going to get like the chilies of weed consumption. (laughs) But we're not going to get... Some would argue. That's (laughs) kind of cool. No, Uh, we were talking about this earlier where I was like how alcohol is available everywhere. Like you can get drunk in a chilies, but you can also get drunk in a really high like fine dining restaurant and like yeah. that doesn't exist for bring weed. me inside out from the cold i don't want a hot box in my car yes <laughs> i don't want to get high before i go into the restaurant where i'm going to eat a bomb meal yeah. like why don't you let me get high at the table <laughs> so but like yeah like if it does come to be more like if it becomes more possible is it still going to have those barriers financially that do keep the smaller independent business owners out? The people that really could cultivate a space that's cool and interesting and like invites people, or is it just going to be something that you can do at your Marriott hotel in their weed lounge or something? I think we're a ways off from that. Although I would love, (laughs) I would love to see the day where I walk through like a Marriott lobby during a conference and just like, instead of a cigar bar, like have you ever been to this cigar bar at the Brown Palace? Oh my God. It's like, it's like an ashtray. If an ashtray was a room, I was choking in there and there were people talking to me. I'm like, why are we doing this? I'm going now. And I'm a person who's like occasionally enjoyed cigars. I don't want to be in a room room full of 50 people smoking cigars, but 50 people smoking weed is fine. It's not as a... it's not as hurdy. No. <laughs> no. No. It's really not. Um, during the day, we see a lot of tourists um, because obviously you can't smoke in your hotel room and rental cars. Um, but we're utilized for so many different reasons. Like you say, you can smoke at home, but we're a social um, space. A lot of people just come in and jump on their laptops and work and smoke and just enjoy the space, get out their house and do something different. And we have a Events targeted to everyone, pretty much, from yoga on Sundays, band classes. Um, so we've we really don't have a set demographic. I mean, it's funny. I think there's like a big tourism demand, but I think also like 
it's a tenant thing. And, and I think it's more of a tenant thing. That's like my totally unscientific Oh, like assertion. people that live, like say rent in Denver. Yeah, because- um, Don't have the option to smoke in their building or yeah. on, their, on their balcony or- So I, from when I rented, I know that they're, it's pretty common for landlords to put something in the lease about pot smoke or about smoking on the property. And I think like that to me is like the biggest reason I want to go to a consumption site, right? You don't want to get kicked out of your apartment. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and there are plenty of people who are trying to just do the right thing and are not like me who are just smoking in their apartments anyways. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I can see that being a thing, a dangerous thing. If you're someone who's maybe in a precarious living situation to begin with, you don't want to lose your housing. Or you don't live in a place where you feel safe doing drugs. And that's sure. also more common, I think, that people would think. Yeah. But it's cool. I mean, this is a spot where I would hang out. Like, if I still rented and I couldn't smoke in my building, I would totally come here. Well, and again, I think if I had friends coming from out of town or something, yeah, why, why not bring them to a cool place instead of the alley behind your apartment? <laughs> instead of our front step when no one's looking. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hotbox in my car with me. Yeah. Great. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's very funny to think of the lifetime of this issue and just be like, like thinking about when I was covering this at first in 2017, when it first got legalized and the anti-people were like, people are going to be smoking in the streets, but they're already doing it. Mm. I was going to say, there's a couple bars in the city that look the other way. Yeah. And especially on their patios. There's and they've couple, been like that for many years. There's a couple venues, too. Yes. They just look the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Because they know. Anne-Marie Awad, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, and one quick thing. I looked up Nevada's weed laws, and it looks like they legalized REC in 2016. They then voted to approve public consumption lounges last year. So yes, they definitely beat Colorado to the punch. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Masks are no longer required on airplanes and public transportation. The Denver Post reports that on Monday, a judge in Florida struck down the federal mask mandate for mass transit. Meaning you and your gross germs are free to pack into those tight spaces on planes and share recirculated air with reckless abandon again, just like in pre-pandemic times. And a follow-up to our show last week on famed Denver punk and goth boutique Fashionation. After many months of running a successful and popular TikTok account, out of nowhere, the social media platform banned the store's account. I checked in with co-owner and store dad Paul Italiano, and he said his daughters are confused and devastated. They loved running the store's TikTok and have never posted anything remotely controversial. In the last 24 hours, however, TikTok has since reinstated the Fascination account, but they still don't have full access. We're crossing our fingers for you, Sydney and Mia. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today, Peyton has rounded up your best bets for a good time, if you know what I mean. Which I think you know what I mean, because it's 420. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Later. (laughs) Today is April 20th, 20th. I feel like I just feel funny saying April 20th as if I've ever not just said today's 420. (laughs) Today's 420, dude. Okay.